What is up team? Welcome back to the show. Today we are sharing another Q&A. So this is actually a Q&A episode that I recorded with my good friend Jeff Hain on his show, the Mind Muscle Connection podcast. But I really enjoyed these questions so much that I had to share it here as well. Um, we get into protein recommendations for overweight clients. So for example, if you weigh 250 pounds and you have 100 pounds of body fat to lose, do you really still need to eat the typically recommended one gram of protein per pound of body weight? Um, and then from there, how much protein can you actually absorb and use per meal? Because you will hear a lot of people say, hey, once we get past around 30 grams of protein per meal, uh, it's not really useful. We're basically just going to pee it out. Is that really true? Um, my recommendations for macro splits to optimize hormones during a fat loss phase, as well as how to set up a long-term fat hey loss guys, plan. Hey guys, welcome to another episode then, of the Mind then, Muscle Connection podcast. And today for the fourth or fifth time, I can't remember now. It's just too many fifth. now at this point. Fifth? Okay, fifth. <laughs> too many. Not too many. I'm just joking, obviously. Uh, Jeremiah Bear, uh, back on the show. So thanks again for uh, coming on today, man. Absolutely. Dude. Thank you for having me again. Yeah. Um, and so last time we talked, you were wearing your weighted vest, no longer wearing that. Um, are you glad that that's over with? Yeah, dude, I hate that vest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm for real so glad that that is over with. It was an interesting experiment and I think I learned a lot from it, but I am very glad to be done with it now. Cool. And you, you did a podcast and wrote a blog on it at least, I think, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, for cool. sure. I'll, I'll link that in the show notes so people can go check that out. Cause yeah, I, I know we probably don't want to dive too much into that uh, again this time, but real quick, are you back into building now or what's, what do you look, what's that looking like? So I am, I would really say I'm kind of in a maintenance phase. Like this wasn't the plan. The plan was to start building, but then the last couple of weeks, honestly, like we've had so much shit going on outside of my own training and even like the business, like, we just got our puppy, our puppy. Hey, come here, Nigo. Say hi. <laughs> we just got our puppy who straight up, like, she will probably poop on the floor behind me at some point during this call. Um, so be aware of that. We just got our puppy, so sleeps a little bit short supply. And like we were just talking about before this, we are in the process of moving as well. We actually start moving today. So um, I've actually, like, unintentionally been... Like I, I, so I'm self-coaching right now for a short period of time. So I've actually been hanging out around maintenance. Um, I was planning to get right back into building, follow an upper, lower, upper, lower, upper split, but just with like sleep being so much less, um, and everything going on until probably next week, I'll get back to building, but I've basically trimmed it down to four days per week, upper, lower, and I'm just keeping calories right around maintenance. So yeah, man. Um, it wasn't the plan, but it's and like you get it with coaching, just like with clients, like sometimes things come up, sometimes life happens. And the best thing to do is, hey, maybe we do need to spend a little bit of time maintenance because right now, like I'm not in a place where I can productively build Like this little dog. We're up at least four times every night to take her out of the bathroom. And um, so, yeah, man, that's kind of what's going on. Well, yeah, I, I feel like maintenance is always like a nice little uh, tool you, you can have, you have in the toolbox and, and you can just, you have in your back pocket to, to use whenever you need it, you know? Um, right. But yeah, I, I like that you brought up how you just wouldn't be, it wouldn't be productive training for you right now. And, it, but a lot of people would try to push through during that. It's just like, it just doesn't make sense, you know, take this time to, to give yourself a break from trying to, to push your weight one way or the other. Um, yeah. You did, you did mention that you're self-coached right now. Um, so obviously I'm a little interested in that. Uh, if you don't, 
mind sharing? Are you just, uh, just taking a break from coaching or what's going on there? Um, I mean, I actually have a call with the next potential coach that I want to work with cool. today. So uh, straight up, man, like I'm not, <laughs> I, I talk to people about this on like, like my calls with new clients all the time, but to, and I don't, I don't love this about myself, but I'm not someone that does well if I'm not being coached and I'm sure like you get this. Actually, I think you're pretty fucking good about this. Um, but like, if I'm not being coached, just like everyone that works with us, it's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm kind of just like winging it in the gym. Like I'll put, I'll put hours and hours and hours into my client's program. But like today I pulled up my true coach and it's like, oh, I didn't program this week for myself. Or <laughs> Like you get a lot looser with nutrition, like all these things. And again, it's, I, I tend, I forget that about myself sometimes. Then it's like, oh shit. Okay. I definitely like, I need to just like what I preach. Like, this is the exact same thing. Like I talk about with clients, like a ton of it is the structure, the education, but a lot of it too is you're making that big investment in yourself. You don't want to let your coach down. And you're just like so much more excited about the process when someone else is creating this specifically for you. Whereas again, like I think like we as coaches, we will put so much more time into our clients, but we're kind of also the people that, Hey, we'll put ourselves last. Right. So uh, straight up for me, it's just like a, uh, I, I just need to be coached as well to stay on top of my shit and to be as excited about it and keep learning more. So yeah. Um, been learning from Steve Hall for the last year, taking a ton from him. Um, do you, do you know the physique development team? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I have a call with Alex Bush today. I'm not for sure like what will come of that, but definitely. Uh, and I know we talked about like M1 education quite a bit. Um, I know they do things very, very similar and I want to see like how he programs. I want to learn from them. Cause I also know like that's a lot different than what I've been doing for the last year. So, and again, like I really want, I, for me, like just as much as I want to keep getting more jacked, um, I want to keep learning and developing like the level of service, like the type of programming, like the things we can bring to our clients. Right. And so much of that is like constantly learning from different coaches. So, so yeah. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. I, I agree with you too. Anytime I, you know, like when I started, uh, doing some, you know, uh, interning with you with some of your clients. Like I learned a ton about your systems and just working with you too, having you coach me. Like I, I learned a ton and I, I picked up a ton from that. I was able to apply it to my clients. And then now like, you know, doing some stuff with like Legion, like I'm learning how they do things and, and I'm mm-hmm. also getting some feedback on how I coach. And I always, I do find that that is very helpful just to see how other people do it. Cause it does just give you a different uh, mindset okay. and, it, and it does really help you. So, so that's cool to hear, man. Um, so it was mostly just, Hey, you're just ready to move on and, and, and just continue to learn more and, and expand your horizons essentially. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's, again, like I, I love Steve to death and I learned a ton from him. So it's never like, okay, well, I'm sick of this coach. It's just like, hey, I've taken a ton from you. Now I want to keep learning from someone else. So, yeah. Cool. Well, that's awesome, man. Um, yeah. Good luck with that. Obviously uh, keep me in the loop there on, on what you decide, but yeah. So I guess we'll uh, dive into the question part of the, of the podcast. So we did have some good questions. Uh, uh, to go over today. Now I did have one that I wanted to know myself and I kind of told you about this. So, you know, we hear a lot about protein and how, you know, we, we want around a gram per pound of body weight. And I always wonder for people that are a little overweight, do we want to mess with that number a little bit? Or, or what, what is your thought process there um, when recommending this number for people who are overweight? And I guess maybe define what you consider overweight too. Okay. Yeah. 
<laughs> that's that's so defining overweight i would say is the biggest thing like how obese of an individual are we talking about really before anything else i'm always just looking at adherence and honestly like so when we bring in and and none of this is like to be stereotypical but typically like when an individual starts coaching who is um, more obese typically their protein intake is very very low right so honestly what i'll say is I don't have a specific, Hey, we're going to eat. Okay. So we're going to, instead of looking at your total body weight, we're going to look at lean mass only. Right. And nor, nor can I like say that I can actually calculate what that is without like getting them in a DEXA scan or something, which most people aren't going to want to do. So really what I'll typically look to is, okay, where is this person's protein at currently? So any client that starts with us, we'll have them do at least three days of food logs. We'll look at where their protein is at currently. Okay what's kind of the maximum I can increase this to where um, I think they can continue to sustain this, right? So like, okay, they're eating 40 grams of protein a day. I think if I bump that past a hundred because, and you get this, like getting people to eat more protein is the biggest challenge, right? Like it's never hard to get people to eat more carbs and more fat. It's the biggest change for most people is more protein, which also typically makes sense why like people like that might struggle with obesity a little bit more because protein is a lot more filling. And a lot of very protein dense foods are also lower calorie, right? Per the amount of volume you're getting. So, um, typically, can you hear that? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry. My dog's like attacking my foot down there. Um, still figuring out the puppy and podcast thing. Okay. So (laughs) anyways, again, we'll typically look to rather than that, like, okay. So I would say, Hey, you're eating 40 grams of protein a day. Well, typically we're probably going to want to try to maybe let's bump this to 80. Okay. You crushed that this week. Let's add another 20 grams, let's add another 20 grams, let's add another 20 grams. Typically until we get to about 0.6 grams of protein per pound of body weight. And they really, I would say they're like, without getting too deep into like, Hey, what's your ratio of lean mass to fat mass, which is just unnecessarily complicated. Um, because also I would say typically like in a situation like this, but as a pretty obese person, I don't know what your experience is like, but typically we're starting at least the first few months, like as they drop body fat pretty rapidly, we're starting just focusing on nutrition. Right. Um, and then not that like weight training doesn't matter, but typically in a situation like that, I will tell people like, Hey, let's focus on like your steps aren't there. You're sleeping three hours a night. Your nutrition is all over the place. Like before we hit with too much in once, like we're going to start training in a month or two months. But first, like we have to get these biggest rocks in place first. And then we're going to start your resistance training. Not always the case, but typically that's, if I feel like it's like, Hey, if I hit these people with all these things at once, and I apologize, man, I'm kind of rambling here. But, um, if I hit these people with all these things at once, they're probably not going to hear any of it. I would rather like, if been like, Hey, this means I'll make less money, but this is for your good. Like let's start on this first. Um, so yeah. And then typically I'll ramp that up to the point where we get to at least about 0.6 grams per pound of body weight. And if we look at for, for muscle retention um, and really for muscle gain, like the, uh, it seems that about 0.6 to 0.8 grams of protein per pound of body weight is enough. It's definitely on the lower end, but it should be enough. So really like past that point, then it's kind of just looking at their hunger. Where is their hunger at? Now, if they're full, because past that point, like primarily, and this is kind of a different scenario than like a super lean individual who was like, Hey, you are trying to be the most jacked 
for this photo shoot, we want to make sure you're not losing muscle mass, right? Like we're talking someone who they have all these fat stores, their body still has to pull from like, it's a lot different context there where like that individual on the other end, we probably would go closer to it, like 1.2, 1.5, even grams for how to body weight, just to be safe, to make sure that there's no muscle loss happening. But here that's not as much of a risk. So really past like 0.6 grams, 0.8 grams, unless they're struggling with hunger, which again, protein is going to be the most filling food. So then that's kind of, okay, we can continue to ramp that up to help them get more full. But unless like, if they're, if they aren't struggling with hunger, they're feeling good. Um, and they don't necessarily love protein really past that point. There's not a need to increase it more. Now, again, like as they get leaner, even if we keep protein the same, that like the ratio of protein intake to body weight will increase. So like what was 0.6 grams per pound of body weight will suddenly become 0.8 and then eventually maybe even like one gram. But does, does that answer make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It, it sounds like, cause again, that's, that's something where I feel like, you know, people that are overweight, say they're 300 plus pounds, they hear one gram per pound of body weight. I mean, dude, you know, and just like you mentioned, a lot of these people aren't getting a lot of protein in and they right. hear that they're like, you know, oh crap, I got to eat 330 grams of protein a day. And it's like, not, you know, probably not, you know, I don't think that that's necessary. So I was just curious to, to hear how you did it. And it sounds like really, you just, you just, you're, you're focused on bringing them up, getting them more than what they're probably doing, depending on the client. And then as time goes on, maybe ramping that up as well as they, as they get leaner, essentially. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing. Like if you tell someone that's 300 pounds, they have to eat 300 grams of protein and it's like, okay, well, you're failing. If you're not doing this, they're probably not going to stay the program and you're never actually going to be able to help them as a coach. So it's kind of like people, it's kind of like the saying, like you're stepping over hundred dollars bills for pennies. Like that's what coaches are doing when they're trying to, you have to eat this much. Right. Right. And, and, and I guess too, you would say that if, if somebody really wanted to know and they were overweight, they could do something where they could figure out what their lean body mass is. And, and that would mm-hmm. be a better uh, number to go off of rather than their overall weight. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, I would say for most people, that's not really necessary, especially again, like if you are an obese individual, again, your body just has so many fat stores, AKA energy stores to pull from that, um, it, like muscle loss isn't as much of a concern. So thus like having protein intake super high isn't as much of a concern. Yeah, that, that is a good point you bring up that when you're protein is, is obviously going to be important most, uh, pretty much all the time, but it, it really is important for people who are, who are like really lean and, and trying to maximize their muscle growth and, and trying to maintain as much muscle as possible. Then it becomes even more important for those people. So cool. Right. Um, yeah, no, that, that, that was a great answer. I think that's uh, r- really helpful there. So going on to the, to the next one and we'll, since we're on protein, I'll, I'm just going to kind of dive to the next one. So I had a client talk to me about, um, you know, what, what is the maximum amount of protein that they can take in one meal? Uh, they asked, Hey, if I know you mentioned, Hey, we want to probably spread this out, but if I want to get 80 grams in one meal, is that, is that too much? Um, it, is your body going to not utilize it all? And so, uh, I just kind of want you to explain what would be going on there. Yeah, for sure. So with protein intake, um, it is a myth that like, Hey, you can only eat 30 grams of protein per meal. And then you just like, pee it up, pee the rest of it out. That's not really how it works. Basically your body will slow digestion of that. Now it's like within an hour. Yes. Your body can only digest X amount of protein, but basically your body releases an enzyme. I believe that slows digestion of said protein a bit until it's eventually all digested. So like from a, a, so let's say again, like this client's protein intake is like their protein intake goal is like, let's say 160 grams. They could do that in 
two feedings and their body would like it would be absorbed, right? It's not like, okay, well, it's basically because you only did that in two meals. Your body can only digest 30 grams of protein. So you only got like 60 grams of protein actually, right? Like that's not how it works. But from the flip side, we have to look at, and again, like, so what I'll say is for most, depending on your goals, depending on how advanced you are, if it's like, Hey, I just want to look good, feel good, move well, it's probably a good idea to split your protein intake up relatively evenly between two to four feedings a day or two to three feedings. A day, I would say like, if it's, I don't want to get too far into the details on the flip side, if we look at like, okay, so why knowing that, why do we still space protein out? It is because we know as well that muscle protein synthesis, which is basically the process of your body turning dietary protein into muscle protein. And like if this exceeds the rate of muscle protein breakdown, which is kind of the opposing process, then we build muscle, right? Um, to stimulate muscle protein synthesis, like taking in dietary protein will help. So from a high quality source, about 20 grams of protein will do a pretty good job of stimulating muscle protein synthesis. And then we know 40 grams of protein from a high quality source with and we're getting way into the weeds here. Like would I sit there and like try to calculate the leucine content of my protein? No, but like, um, with at least like 2.5 grams of of leucine, which is going to be like the trigger for muscle protein synthesis. So basically again, like everyone listening, just think a high quality protein source, like an animal protein, a dairy whey. Those are yes. Animal proteins. Um, 40 grams is going to optimally stimulate, like fully stimulate muscle protein synthesis. So basically we get a spike here. Now, after that, we experience something called the muscle full effect, which is basically after muscle protein synthesis has spiked, no matter what, within the next few hours, it does come back down to kind of these baseline levels, right? Where, okay, we spiked it and bring, we bring it back down. So we do need another, regardless of how many of these amino acids, which is what, when we're building, talking about building muscle, the amino acids within protein are what we want, right? So basically think regardless of how much protein is still floating around in our bloodstream, we come back down to like your MPS muscle protein synthesis baseline. Now to spike it again, again, we need to eat another bolus of protein. So to, for optimal muscle growth, like if that's the main thing that you're focusing on, which I think is safe to say probably most of both of our clients are really like splitting this up where we're having, having at least three to four feedings a day where we're eating at least 40 ish grams, 20 to 40 grams of a high quality protein source. We're going to spike muscle protein synthesis more often. So we are going to probably get a little bit better muscle growth. Now is like the difference between four times and three times that big of a deal. Or I would really say like, even like, uh, two times we might be getting a little bit like, okay, we're, you're probably leaving some results on the table, but um, yeah. So, I mean, like, it's not like all that protein goes to waste. Is it the most optimal to just eat like one big ass serving of protein a day? No, or even two, probably not. But again, as long as we're like uh, 20 to 40 grams, three or four times a day, at least then we're in a pretty good place. Yeah, no, that, that, that was a good explanation. And yeah, I think a lot of people think that, that they hear that myth and then they think that if they eat more than like, like you said, 40 grams, that, that your body's just not going to do anything with that protein. And it's still energy that your body's going to use. It's just, and this is, I could be wrong here, but the way I think of it is, is I mean, essentially, you know, uh, what we want with protein is we mainly want it to be a source of building muscle and, and, and using as building blocks w- within our body. Whereas once you go over that 40, 40 gram mark, it's protein is probably going to 
potentially start to get used as something that like for energy in terms of like just energy output. And that's not necessarily what we want it for. So we were just not utilizing the protein as well. Is that, is that another, uh, is that basically, cause that's what happens when you go over 40 grams, right? I mean, your body's going to use it, but it's probably going to be more likely it uses it towards energy as well. Yeah. And it, and I would say also it depends on what the other macros, like what, and this is definitely like, if anyone listening to this podcast is like thinking about this, you don't need to think about like when you're like, Oh fuck, well <laughs> I'm always over 40 grams today. Like you don't need to think about this. I, and I would say really it probably, I mean, it's going to depend first and foremost on how many calories you're taking in overall. Like you're in a surplus, you're in a deficit or you, are you a maintenance? Um, and then the type of activity that you're doing as well. Like, Hey, are we doing like a lot of very glycolytic work or are we doing like more low intensity work? It depends on a lot of factors, but yeah, it can be used for energy for other things as well. Um, I feel like that's a, that's a pretty nuanced topic. Right. No, it is. And, and, and like you said, really to, to sum that up, I mean, the most important thing is your total daily. Like you want to make sure that you're hitting your total daily protein intake for the day. And then mm-hmm. ideally spread that out throughout, throughout the day. Um, right. But yeah, making sure you get that total daily and it's, it's going to be the most important. And, and, and really, again, that if you, that's kind of what we talk about. That's why like we talk about total calories are the most important. You don't necessarily need to worry too much about nutrient timing until you have your macros and, and, and uh, uh, total calories um, for the day. Yeah. Um, but I, I would even say one more thing on that note. I would yeah. honestly say for most people, probably even before, I would honestly say like total calories, how you split up your protein feedings, and then like your ratio of carbs to fat. Would you agree with that? No, I agree. The more I learned, yes, absolutely. Especially, yeah, for, for I, I, I was going to say for building muscle, but I mean, even, even fat loss too, though, you could argue too, that it, it plays a big role, but yes, for, for building muscle. Yes. It's like you mentioned, protein is a, very high on the priority list for sure. Yeah. Uh, and, and, it's, and we know that, but, but th- at the same time, people do undervalue how, how important it is. I feel like when it comes to building muscle. So no, I, I agree. Calories are important, but if you're not getting protein in, it doesn't, you know, you're, leaving a ton of, uh, muscle building on the, on the table, basically. Um, no, absolutely. Cool. Uh, so, so the next one is a macro split that can help with testosterone levels during a cut. I mean, so, okay. If we look at your, okay, what macros are going to help testosterone levels? We know that this is the thing is no matter what, it's going to take a hit probably because i mean we could we could argue both ways okay on one end we know that fat is literally the building block of a lot of your hormones testosterone being one where it's going to that's going to help in the production of testosterone right so really the number that's typically thrown out there is if we eat less than 0.3 grams of fat per pound of body weight probably hormones are going to be in as optimal place as they could be. Now on the flip side, it's not like past that. If we eat more than that, we will supercharge testosterone by any means. It's not like, Oh shit. Well, I ate six grams of fat and I'm just fucking like, (laughs) anyways. um, (laughs) So basically we want to make sure we're eating at least 0.3 grams of fat, right? Past that are there for men. Some women will feel a little bit better eating a little bit more fat yet past that and really i would argue like it's uh, this point is probably somewhere between like 0.3 and 0.4 grams like i i remember very weird and i don't know if this is actually was a product of my um just how lean i was or my actual fat intake 
But I remember there was like a very clear point in my first photo shoot prep where I dropped from, it was from 55 grams of fat to 50 grams of fat. And it was like, I just feel like shit now, like right away I could like, now again, I think it was probably a combination of like how lean I was and the amount of fat that I was taking in, not just like one or the other, but, um, and again, like that's relevant to my body weight. So it's not like below 50 grams for all people is uh, where you should be. But basically what I would say is somewhere between 0.3 and 0.4 grams of fat from like the fat perspective is going to optimally, um, support hormone production. Now from there, then if we look at, okay, what other things could potentially like take a detriment to our testosterone levels? And one of those hormones is going to be cortisol, right? Um, when cortisol levels are higher, typically you're going to struggle with uh, to- kind of in a way they're going to have like an inverse relationship, right? Like when cortisol levels are higher, which is kind of like the stress hormone. And again, no matter what, like dieting is going to be a stress, cortisol is going to be present. And it's not something we try to avoid entirely. But if these are chronically high, then testosterone levels are going to suffer. Now, when we are eating more carbs, carbs are typically going to, carbs will lead to an increase in the hormone insulin. Now, just like we talked about before, insulin and cortisol are similar to that relationship with cortisol and testosterone insulin and cortisol are going to have an inverse relationship as well. So when we spike insulin levels of the hormone cortisol are going to decrease. So again, just by like making sure that we're eating carbs again, especially. So the thing, the cool thing is like this basically ties into exactly how we would tell someone to set it up anyways, right? Like, Hey, let's make sure you're eating plenty of protein. Let's eat about 0.3 to 0.4 grams of fat. And let's try to fill the remainder of your calories with carbs. And let's make sure that we're timing carbs mostly pre and post workout, or at least like 50% of your carbs pre and post workout, because those are going to be the times where again, cortisol is going to be the highest. Um, so not only will it help better fuel your training and your recovery, but again, that'll bring these cortisol levels back down. So really like there's not that I know of, there's not a hack like, Hey, you should also take like 50 milligrams of horny goat weed every day or like anything like that. But um those would be my suggestions. No, those were good. And, and I like the first part you brought up about, you have to realize that when you're in a cut, like it's the same thing that you would like, people are like, how do I get rid of hunger during a cut? It's like, look, you need to realize that no matter what you do, there's, there has to be some hunger involved. Like if you're not ever really hungry, like you're, are you really losing body fat? Probably not. So same thing with testosterone. Like we can come up here and be like, this is probably going to be the uh, one that we would recommend to clients, but just realize that it's probably going to go down no matter what you do. Right. I mean, it's, it's just going to, it's going to go down when you're in the cut. So I think that's an important uh, aspect to bring up, but I do like that you <clears throat> mentioned the fat and again, the, the point three grams per pound of body weight, um, mm-hmm. is, is a number there. Uh, that, that the one that that's the number that I see thrown around a lot too. And, and, and it makes sense. So making sure it doesn't go much lower than that. Um, I also like the, 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 intro workout or the peri workout uh, recommendation that you made. One other thing that I would want to add to this, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts is, I mean, I'm sure the, the, the way you go about this fat loss phase probably uh, plays a role in it too, right? Um, how, how long you've been cutting and, mm-hmm. and how severe the deficit is too, right? I mean, those are probably two things that are going to play a role in that as well. Yeah. And that's, that's an interesting one too, dude, because it's from one end we can look at like, if you cut quicker, yes, all these hormones. I mean, so then we have to ask, like, why do you want your testosterone to be high, right? Which, of course, like, I think it, it's like, no, well, of course, like, we understand why you want your testosterone to be high. But again, it's kind of like, we could also say, like, 
hey, if you cut quicker, metabolic adaptation happens quicker. But again, like all these other things, like your body is very resilient. It's not like, oh shit, he dieted way too quickly. His testosterone was fucked for forever. It's like, hey, he dieted quicker. Maybe the cut was a little bit more grinder, but also, hey, he's done two months quicker. And then he can get back to productive building. Now that he's eating more, okay, testosterone is, his testosterone is also back up higher quicker. So like what, what I would say there is, I think same thing with like metabolic adaptation, people take it too far, like looking at the acute setting without looking at the macro picture of, okay, maybe like, because I mean, it's, it's marketing, right? It's a good way to, anyways, um, it's easy to look at things like that from the acute, like, yes, testosterone will probably suffer more. If you are more aggressive, you'll feel shittier. But also we'll get you back to a place where testosterone is a lot higher sooner. Um, I don't really think I had anywhere else to go with that. But yeah, I think that either way, honestly, I would say like, if that's what you're depend, if that's like more aggressive versus less aggressive, if like testosterone in and of, of itself is like what you were basing your cut around, I wouldn't, I would look at again, like, Hey, what's going to be the easiest for me to adhere to overall, more aggressive, less aggressive. Would I rather like get this done quicker and be super strict or would I rather take it a little bit slower? Because either way, it's kind of like, no matter what, like same thing with metabolic adaptation, no matter what to go from point A to point B, we're probably going to experience very, 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 very similar amount of metabolic adaptation, whether we go slowly or quickly, it's basically, okay, how quick do I want to make this happen? Right. It's so and then the dope thing is, again, your body's resilient. So either way, like when we bring you out of the diet, you'll be in a good place again. I think that that's important too when it comes to like metabolic adaptation is like people think it's a, uh, like it's always going to be that way, but it's like your right. body again adapts either way. and It's going to go back up. I think that's where a lot of people get caught up is like they, they're like, oh, I, I lost weight before. So I have metabolic adaptation. It's like, no, you're, it's not there anymore, right? You just are, there's something that you're skipping over in terms of why you're, you're stuck, right? Don't know what it is, but there's something. I was listening to the Stronger by Science podcast, which I've been listening to them a lot more lately. And I've, I love Eric Trexler and, and Greg Knuckles. I think they're they're just super well, smart. Humor, dude. Uh, yeah, I know. Sometimes <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> overall, they're great. But yes, I, I do I do enjoy their, their sense of humor. It's definitely like a drier sense of humor, I feel but, like, for sure. <laughs> um but I was listening and they were, they were kind of talking about this because, you know, Eric Trexler is really into the metabolic adaptation. And I know Greg brought up a point where he was talking about, it seems like uh, it, it's more so the cumulative uh, deficit that's most important. So the way I took it was no matter what, whether you go quick and shorter um, or longer, but less of a deficit, it's still going to end up being the same thing, mm -hmm. no matter what, like you're still going to run into those issues. And it's, again, like you said, it just simply comes down to what can you adhere to? And, 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 and we can obviously dive into this, but it, it's probably going to depend on what your long-term goal is. But yeah, I think the most important thing is that no matter what you do, it's, it's going to go down during a cut and you just have to be okay with that. Like that's kind of part of the, the game, basically same thing with yeah. hunger and, and, and losing fat. So. Absolutely. And that's Brandon Roberts came on the podcast to talk about diet breaks. And this was like a year ago now, but again, we had the same conversation. It's again, like, like you said, it's the cumulative deficit is going to make the biggest difference. So we're doing all these things we're getting. And again, like diet breaks, refeeds, absolutely shit like that absolutely has application. And it's something we use all the time with clients. But if we're like getting too cute, like, Hey, we're going to do one week on one week off all this stuff that's going to prevent metabolic adaptation. It's not actually helping you 
you're basically just extending the process unnecessarily, but we got a little off topic here. Yeah, no, we did, but that, I always, I find this topic very, very interesting, but yes, we did get off topic. All right. Um, so, so that was a good answer. I, I love it. So the next one here is, is probably going to be a little bit of a, a longer one and there's going to be a lot of variability here on this, but somebody was asking, you know, their long-term goal is to lose a little bit more body fat, but with a goal of, of putting on more muscle. So like, how would you kind of set up a long-term plan here with, with this person? Like what, what would that look like uh, for them? Like basically, I I guess too, like one of the things that she also says she, you know, so she's ran a fat loss phase. She's lost a good amount of weight, but now it's like kind of in that zone now where she's maintained for a little bit, but her, her concern is she wants to, again, do probably do another fat loss phase, but she doesn't want to lose it too fast or push her body uh, too much to make it difficult to like maintain long-term. So kind of like, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it and, and what you would suggest here at this point. Okay, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, that does depend of course on the individual, like long-term her goal is going to be, is to build muscle and lose fat both. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So, I mean, and again, it depends on where the person is coming from. So if it is an individual who by their own definition, and I'm never going to tell someone like, Hey, you're skinny fat, but a lot of times people will hop on the call that'd be a terrible thing to say to somebody, but a lot of times people will hop on the call and that's how they'll describe themselves. Right. So, okay. Most people in a situation like that have already gone through a fat loss phase like she has. And it's like, I still don't really look the way that I want. Okay. The unfortunate reality there is if we take you through a diet, you're still just going to look like maybe a little bit less skinny fat, but still like your body's going to have a similar shape, just a little bit smaller than it is currently. So for an individual like that, straight up probably we'll spend the next six months just focusing on build and that's a very generalized timeline but again like this is going to be a good chunk of time it's not going to be 30 days we're going to spend at least four months that's that's typically like the bare minimum at least four months focusing on building we're going to be feeding you more ideally we'll keep the amount of fat mass that you have on your body about the same and just focus on building more muscle by that point if and again, like let's say to make it realistic, let's say six months, if six months from now you've built, let's say you added a pound and a half of muscle every month. Okay. By the point, your physique will look quite a bit different. So then when we take you through another phallus phase, you'll unveil all this muscle that you built. And again, it'll look a lot different on the flip side. If it's an individual who it is, okay. You definitely still have a lot more body fat on your frame. Then I would probably start by pushing for a fat loss phase, because again, in situations like this, this is very rarely someone that's also like, hey, you are like a world's strongest man competitor where you also just have a shit ton of muscle, right? Typically, it's like, hey, I have a good amount of body fat, but I don't have very much muscle. So again, like when we're talking about body recomposition where you're losing fat and building muscle, especially for these people that have a lot more fat stores, like energy stores for their body to pull from and deplete, it is going to be a little bit easier for them because, and they also often haven't like nearly tapped their potential for building muscle it is going to be a little bit easier for them to build muscle and lose fat simultaneously. Whereas if also like from a mental perspective, typically we tell this individual, Hey, you're not going to lose fat for the next six months. We're just going to focus on building. It's like, like no, right. Like I can't do that. Um, so I would say first, either way, that's about the approach I would take. I would say with that second person, then it's more likely that about six months in, like four to six months in, and again, depending on how much weight they have to lose, um, they'll have loss. And I mean, really like in four to six months of this, you can lose 20 to 25 pounds of fat pretty realistically. Is that, 
I don't know why I'm struggling with that math right now. Yeah, about about a pound of fat a week, pretty realistically, right? We'll also build in some muscle. Um, so from there, typically like around the six month mark is when, okay, maybe we do want to take a, you've gotten quite a bit leaner. Maybe we do want to take a couple months to, you probably, you're probably still not quite as lean as you want to be. And I, here I'm assuming that this is someone that maybe like long-term the physique they want is like 40 to 50 pounds of fat mass down. Okay. We're going to spend a couple months focusing on just building, feeding your body more, getting rid of diet fatigue, again, getting to a place where you feel ready to diet again. And then, Hey, after like one to three months of this, so basically like a mini building phase, then we'll finish the diet, like one to two months of cutting and you have you're closer to the physique you want. I don't know if anyone like ever actually has the physique they want, but because it's always like, ah, I could get a lot more jacked. I could grow my calves a lot more, but you get the idea. Um, so really like in that situation, that's how I'd approach it for that first person. Again, I would probably say, Hey, it's going to be at least four to six months of building at least. Then we'll take you through another fat loss phase. And then you'll be a lot closer to the physique you want. Yeah, no, those are, those are great recommendations. I guess my question to you would be, how would you differentiate between that person from person one to person two, where it's like they ran a fat loss phase, not super, you know, they, they feel like they can lose more, but you know, what, what are you looking at there? Are you looking at body weight or, or what are you looking at to, to differentiate between like, you know what, or are you just looking at their shape, like the way they look? I'm really just looking at progress pictures. Progress and I mean, when, when we start, like people shoot us over progress pictures. I, and I, I don't know, you've probably seen this as well. I will say like the initial call we do gives us a very clear idea of people's goals, their personality, and really like what I think is going to be the best for them to adhere to. But I will say like the actual condition people are starting in, I don't feel like I have a good grasp on that until I also see like people's movement screen and their starting progress pictures. Um, and I will say a lot of that too is like, because a lot of times I'll create like on the phone, I'll say like, Hey, this is my best estimate of here's like what the next six months are going to look like, but also realize that this isn't set in stone. And then a lot of times we'll realize like, okay, this, this person was actually way more jacked than I thought they would be on the phone or like, Hey, this person actually isn't nearly as advanced as maybe they thought they were on the phone. So again, it kind of, de- it, I base it mostly on well, first from our conversation, again, taking it back to like what they can stick to overall is the most important. Again, like if I tell that person, Hey, we're going to build for the next six months. And I don't think there's any way we can do it. Probably. Hey, we're going to try to recomp, but this is going to be a building lean, right? Um, that's really what I base it off of. Cool. Yeah. And, and I guess too, I had a question off that. So like, I guess if somebody did run a fat loss phase, you know, they lost 10 to 15 pounds, they've been doing a maintenance phase, they've maintained their weight pretty well and mm-hmm. they feel like they're ready again. What are some like challenges that you would uh, foresee happening in that like second fat loss phase at that point? Honestly, that one's typically quite a bit easier than the first one. You think the uh, second, you think the second one's usually easier than the first one? Yeah, I would say so because some dieting is skill to a large degree, right? Like when people start, we typically do have to teach a lot about, Hey, here's how you track your macros accurately. Here's okay, your fat loss stalled. And these macros were great. This like two weeks ago, here's what's going on. Here's like how we hit our step targets consistently. And a lot of it too, especially for an individual like that, who, again, like there's none of this is to be stereotypical, but just like generalities we see within coaching for an individual like that, they typically will like, will have, have a lot more focus. So honestly, what I would say is like, by that point where we've gone through a building phase as well, 
they are probably kind of chomping at the bit to get leaner again. So honestly, from my perspective, that one's typically that second. And it's also, we can like, yo, you've been grinding now for eight months in just two to three months you will be there. Like we've, we will have done the thing. Right. And that's, so it's like the end goal is a lot more insight. Um, honestly, I would say like from, from like a problems that come up, I think that one's a lot less problematic typically than the first phase. Was there a specific like thing you foresaw there that might need to rest or like something you see with clients? Well, I just feel like usually when you, when you have a client that, you know, they, they go through a fat loss phase, they make you, you have them maintained for a little bit, you know, just again, to get rid of some diet fatigue. And obviously I feel like at that point, you know, a client that's never really ran a fat loss phase before they see that progress, that maintenance part right there is tough for them, right? It's, it's tough for mm-hmm. this person to, to stick with that maintenance for oh, a little so while. Maintenance. So, so they, so they oh. lost maintenance and then they want to, they're like, you know what? I want another fat loss phase. Okay. Okay. Uh, that second one, like I, I see what you're saying there. Like after someone has lost and then they gain again, I could see how that second time through, they're like, all right, I'm ready to go. And that's easy. I'm talking more like, Hey, this person, they, you know, they already lost 10% of their body weight. They need, it's time for a diet break. And they were dieting for eight to 12 weeks. They right. need, they need a maintenance phase in between to bridge. Mm-hmm. Now that next step is it, you know, fat loss or build more muscle or go through a building phase. But if they decide they want to go through a fat loss phase, the challenges that usually arise in that second fat loss phase in between. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and I think too, a lot of it depends on how long of a diet break it is or like how long of a maintenance phase it is. So I would say like one, yes, one challenge is probably people wanting to hop back into it a little bit too early and you can, and I mean, again, it's more psychological than anything else, but you can often tell like, Hey, I don't think you're ready to, if we go into this and it's going to be like three more months of dieting, I don't, you're probably not ready to be able to adhere to that fully. Or again, we might see, Hey, right now you won't have the muscle that you want when you get there. So now we're in a good place. Your health is much better. Let's spend a couple of months building and it'll make your following diet easier. It'll be a lot easier to adhere to. Um, so I would say really like the primary challenge is just helping people see the long game, right. As opposed to what's immediately gratifying. But really, I think that's, Again, I think that's our job as coaches, man, is always keeping people focused on because like why people struggle so much to make progress on their own is it's so easy to give into what's immediately gratifying. You taking it back to even like why I'm more <laughs> why I need a coach always. Cause it's so easy to like, okay, I saw Jeff doing this exercise and Jeff's way more jacked than me. So I'm gonna try this instead of what I was progressing for the last three weeks, right? Or it so yeah, man. I mean Again, I, we keep getting a little bit off topic here, but does that answer your question better? Yeah, no, I because I, I just find that usually when, when I bridge a, a maintenance in between a, a diet for for more advanced mm-hmm. people, I feel like that second one is fine. But for people that they're a little bit newer to the process, I do find that that second one is a little bit challenging for them, just because I think they expect to see the same rate of progress that they saw the first time around, and mm-hmm. usually that doesn't happen. And I just think that adherence just needs to be a little bit more on point that second, that second time around. So um. that's a a good point too. I would say one, I think it helps to look at it as looking at percentage of body weight lost and realizing that like losing 1% of your body weight is equally challenging because like I was talking about this with a client the other day, she was like, Hey, I'm in this fat loss group. So for context, she's between 120 and 130 pounds. She's I'm in this fat loss group. These people are losing and she's lives in the Philippines. So 
um, there, there was KG, right? So these people are losing two KG a week and I'm in a mini cut and I'm losing like at most like 1.3 pounds per week. Like, What's the deal? And it's like, well, okay, well, how much, how much do these people weigh? Like you're both losing 1% of your body weight per week. That's equally challenging. So first and foremost, understanding that, that, that is a good, that is a good point too, though. Like also understanding again, as you get leaner, you do like, if you have, if you are hundred pounds overweight, you can make some pretty simple changes without being that on point and see consistent progress for quite some time. If you've lost 60 to 70 pounds of that, that last 30 pounds, you're probably going to have to be considerably more dialed in with all things tracking, et cetera. Um, so that, that is a good perspective as well. I, again, think that's kind of, that's almost something that like proactively we take care of just like with the day-to-day conversation that we, we focus very heavily, like the first couple of weeks on educating people, like, here's how we track as accurately as possible. Here's how, like all these habits you need to have in place. Like that's one of our initial focuses just because again, like, otherwise you're right. That is something that eventually comes up. Right. So it's kind of like, again, I think as a coach is trying to be proactive about, and it really, I think it's just education. Like, we have like the first two weeks of a client working with us. They send over their food logs every day. We work through like, okay, here, where could you be tracking it accurately? Like what's coming up this weekend that we need to like plan ahead for? Here's how we track all these foods, different things like that. Which again, like for any coach listening, you know, like for both you and your clients, that is a little bit more of a pain in the ass. But again, it's the, like when things like this come up, it's the difference between like, okay, we spend two weeks troubleshooting this now. And okay, that's two weeks of great progress. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes sense. And, and yeah, I, I just, yeah, it seems like that, that second one, like, and I like the point you bring up about how, you know, what you lose, like, say you got to lose 60 pounds at first 30 pounds probably isn't going to be a ton of change. There's going to be some changes obviously you can make, but then that mm-hmm. last 30 pounds is going to be a, a big difference. And I like the point about the percentage of, of body weight per week. That's what people need to focus on more than anything, mm-hmm. but it's something that nobody does focus on. Like literally nobody focuses on that. And that is so important because again, if you're going to compare yourself to somebody who's 300 pounds and you're 130, of course they're going to lose more weight than you. And it's the same thing when, and I don't, I don't mean to be stereotypical here, but you'll see a lot of females say that all oh, men can just lose it so easily. It's like, well, men also usually have more weight than females and it's just easier, you know, just the percentage of body weight just comes off or it's, it's the same percentage of body weight, but it, it you know, yeah. That's super fucked up and stereotypical. You said that, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I got to I got to edit that out. I can't have that in this podcast. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, but you know, you know what I mean then, though? At yeah. That. Yeah. No, for sure. I agree, dude. That's like my last fat loss phase. I kind of stopped talking about it because I like a lot of people were like some of my clients were seeing like, Hey, what you lost 30 pounds. And yeah. I've only lost 10 pounds and it's, yo, I was 230 pounds. Again, you're 120 pounds. If you lost 30 pounds, you would, <laughs> you, be you would be so, you'd be so tiny. Yes. Like that's not what we want. So yeah, I, I agree, man. Cool. Yeah. I, I just, you know, I, I love this periodizing the, the, you know, your, your nutrition and, and your dieting. And I just find it all very fascinating. And so, yeah, cool. Um, well, I know you have a call coming up soon, so we'll, uh, we'll let you, get off the hook here with the questions. I do have one more question for you though. Um, anything coming up for you soon or anything like that, like training wise or business wise or anything like that. And we are hopefully soon about to launch our, so we're completely rebranding the company, which I'm so glad because I 
fucking hate the name bear fist so much and i have for <laughs> years and it is finally happening so i can't say a specific timeline yet because i don't know but ideally within the next two months rebrand will be entirely alive i'm so stoked for that too because so much of like what we do is is within the blog right and that's like the main thing that typically draws people to us and like just going over with my web developer like last night like it's gonna look so clean it's gonna be presented so much better and as a whole i feel like it represents like the brand and us as a company me and andrea and the future coaches that we're gonna bring on just like as an education company not just barefoot like whatever the fuck that means um so no man i'm i'm very very excited about that um and then with our new house garage gym version 2.2 not 2.0 not 2.2 2.0 <laughs> i'm also excited about um yeah dude that's i would say those are really the two primary things past that we don't have any other major launches or anything like that, but I'll also say like the website is enough because it's going to be pretty massive. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then, uh, yeah, it'll be exciting to see the garage gym 2.0. Um, any, any new equipment going in there? Or? Oh yeah. I sold almost everything. That oh really? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. I, man, you it's going to be lit, dude. Wow. So what are you just, you got a bunch of equipment lined up or, or what? Yeah. Do you, do you follow prime fitness at all? Mm-mm. Okay. Okay. So anyways, like it'll, it'll be pretty cool. Like basically got a squat rack. This also a functional trainer, um, a Smith machine, a, a pendulum squats going to be going in there. And then I keep wow. it on legs, leg curl. Um, I got five through hundred pound dumbbells and the back extension I'm going to keep as well. So it'll be pretty solid, dude. So, so you got a Smith machine. Yeah. I'm going to pick oh. it up tomorrow. Holy crap. Wow. That's, that's crazy. So you got to put that thing together. Um, no, this, I want to actually got off of offer up, so it'll be pretty solid. Um, I'm a big fan of, I'm a big fan of Smith machine squats lately. Really? I'm, and I'm pissed off that I had never tried those before. Yeah, they, they, they suck, but yeah, they're, they're good. You know, my favorite, uh, that we've had in the program and I've been using is, uh, the JM press on the Smith machine, dude, I don't know what it is, but I've been freaking just, that's like really? my favorite. That's like been my favorite movement for the past like two months. Yeah, I, I'm a fan of that as well. I will say, like, the Smith machine was one for the longest time. I was like, fuck the Smith machine. Like, it's only good for hanging your towels on or something like that. Yep. And But now it's like, damn, I, that was so stupid. Like, I wasted so much time where I could be way more jacked right now if I would have been more open-minded about that. But, yeah, man, I, I'm so for the new setup. No, I, I agree with the Smith machine. And I, I, I as I've been telling you, I've been going to a new chain gym in, in St. Louis area and – I feel like nobody uses a Smith machine and I kind of feel like a douche using the Smith machine, but you know, whatever it works. So that, that's all that matters. Um, I feel like um, ours is always backed up. Like it, I, have, I have to wait for it because I have been going to a gym for the last couple of weeks just until everything gets here. So, um, and there's like always endless people on it. I'm always waiting in line for it. Dude, that's the worst man going from this gym that didn't have a lot of people to now it's like busier. Oh fuck man. It, <laughs> it just sucks because like, yeah, it, I hate waiting for things and you know how it works super, oh yeah we we got to make sure it's in order and we don't want to go out of order so um no, sure, cool man well thanks for all the information today um uh, and yeah appreciate you coming back on the podcast and uh we'll, we'll obviously get you back on here in the next month or so again absolutely dude i appreciate you having me cool man we'll talk soon all right see you